Welcome into the Tricky Takes Podcast. I am Austin, along with my wonderful co-hosts, Connor and Billy. How y'all doing? What's up, guys? And uh, we are here today to uh, talk some more baseball. We're also going to throw in a little bit of uh, NBA action. Uh, We're actually going to start off with the uh, NBA draft lottery that just took place. Um, The draft lottery, I find really interesting and... um, it's almost more exciting to me than the draft itself, especially when you have a talent like uh, Victor Wimbanyana, or as we call him here, Wombo. Um, was when you've got a guy up top as talented as him, who I forget who said it. Someone said he might be the best prospect in team sports history. Like that's the kind of lofty expectations that are being thrust upon him. Uh, you know, everybody in the NBA world saying he's the best prospect to come out since LeBron. And there's people saying that if his career, you know, is that of KD, he would be, you know, it, it wouldn't be exceeding expectations. Like that's like expected is like they're expecting him to be Kevin Durant and have that kind of career arc, which I think is absolutely absurd. And I'm hoping it do- that doesn't like get to his head because I mean, I can't imagine hearing all that kind of stuff and then just like not feeling any sort of pressure. Like how he has such, I mean, he, how old is Victor? Is he like 20? I think I think he's 20. Yeah. So, 20. so yeah. Okay. 19 so, years old. So, okay. He's only 19 actually. Yeah. I mean, that is such an absurd mm-hmm. like position to be in as a 19 year old. I mean, if he has Kevin Durant like career, I mean that to me is like a major out of the water success. I mean, should or is that is that kind of what you're expecting from this guy? I would be shocked if it was anything less than that, honestly, just because watching the highlights and obviously he's not playing against you know NBA caliber guys, but you see all of his highlights and you know the last person I can remember everyone getting this hyped about was Zion. You know, I obviously wasn't really paying attention to sports much and what was it, 04 when LeBron was getting all the hype, 03. So, I mean, that, that was a long time ago. But Zion, you know, everybody was all over him. And it really looks like the majority of his game was inside the paint, whereas with Victor, it, he's scoring dominantly from all over the court and all the highlights that I'm seeing and just making stuff happen, which is, I mean, it's, it's crazy for – you know, y'all don't know this about me, uh, the listeners, but I am horrible at basketball. So, <laughs> so any sort of talent kind of impresses me with that. But I mean, just his is a whole nother level. Uh, he looks like he'd go in there and be, a, you know, a top three player. Again, you know, not against the NBA caliber talent right now, but with that size, I mean, he's seven foot two or seven foot three is what he's listed at, which is absurd. I mean, can move super quick. So he's got all the the ability and the skill that we've seen so far there. I just worry with his weight a little bit. He looks a bit on the small size there. You know, being a guy that's going to be, you know, in the paint a lot, that's a very physical, you know, area of the game. So I'm just kind of concerned potentially about injuries would be his only downside, I would think. But other than that, I mean, he looks like, everything that they're promising and more based on the tape that's being released, you know, day in and day out of this kid. Yeah. yeah almost, seen, they're good. Go I was ahead. just saying almost the opposite and uh, like of Zion of like Zion just being too big 
yeah. uh, Victor is is potentially like just like too thin. Yeah. Uh, so everything I've seen, you know, you see a lot of these tall, thin guys. A lot of times they have foot issues, uh, you know, breaking bones and things like that. I've seen that he has been training with, you know, advanced people on how to handle that and and fall certain ways and land certain ways and and does all this to prevent injury. So, I mean, he, he's very advanced when it comes to his approach. And he's been playing pro basketball in France since he was 19. So, four years ago now, so he was 15 years old when he started playing professional basketball. I mean, he's going to be the greatest European prospect to come out since Dirk. And, um, you know, if he can live up to that potential of being the greatest international prospect ever, then that's the kind of expectations that's that's on him right now. And I think he has the potential, you know, the possibility to live up to that. Um, <clears throat> just the way he moves and his the fluidity of his game, I feel like, is super rare for a guy his size. You know, obviously we saw Chet Holmgren come out last year, instantly gets hurt. We don't get to see him play. But <clears throat> Victor is way more athletic, I feel like, than than Chet. I mean, we've seen videos of Victor shooting a three and then following it up with a putback dunk off his own miss. Yeah. That is just incredible to see. And um, to the point that people are expecting him to be the next Kevin Durant, you know, Kevin Durant's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. So if you're putting Hall of Fame expectations on this kid at 19 years old, which is basically what they did to LeBron, um, he lived up to the hype. You know, he's got some big shoes to fill. And uh, I think it's going to be really exciting to watch him. I think him going to San Antonio is a really good fit with him and learning under a guy like Greg Popovich, um, starting out his career there. And uh, I think that will really benefit him because Greg Popovich is one of the greatest coaches to ever live. Yeah, Greg, I mean, the Spurs, just their history with centers especially, which is kind of what he's expected to play with his size. I mean, you know, he had Tim Duncan there for, what was it, like 10 years? And you saw how great he was in that that scheme. So I, I think that that'd be a great spot for him to land in. I mean, it, it's – 99.999% chance of him going first overall. I don't see how they could take anybody else above him. I, I don't even know if I could tell you another top prospect going into this draft because all the talk has been about Victor here. Yeah, I mean, uh, the landing spot is, you know, perfect. I mean, Greg Popovich could probably coach Connor into playing at you know a high school level, which that's a feat. Yeah. That would be. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it, everybody's saying, uh, you know, you've heard so many things about like you know the Spurs just this like of course it happened to the Spurs like you know it's like the Patriots uh you know somehow getting Caleb Williams next year or you know, um. You know, you name it, famous team with historical, um, you know, success getting first overall pick in the year that there's a generational talent. The it's, Yankees. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Yankees. I don't necessarily know if there's an equivalent uh, in the, this year's draft. Um, But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Just to go down the list, the – 
uh, rest of the list. Charlotte picks at two. Trailblazers at three. Uh, Houston at four. Detroit at five. The Magic at six. The Pacers at seven. Um, The uh, Washington at eight. Yeah, but Washington Wizards at eight. The Jazz at nine. The Mavs at ten. That's... The Mavs, the Mavs are already a pretty good team, and for them to be picking at ten, I mean, we can talk. You can say what you will if they, you know, intentionally tank at the end of the year or not. But uh, you know, now Orlando almost has two picks in the top inside the top ten. They got Chicago's pick at eleven, OKC at twelve, Toronto at thirteen, and New Orleans at fourteen. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say, uh, you know the. Pistons entered as one of the three teams, uh, you know, with the highest percent chance, and uh, they uh, got shoved all the way down to what was it, pick five? Pick five. Yeah. So, kind of stinks for them. They were looking like they were, you know, they were one of the three main teams in the women Yana sweepstakes and and missed out on it. But, um, yeah, the Pistons won seventeen games last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you definitely look at it and think the Pistons, um, you know, are, are the most deserving. But um, that's why I love the lottery. It's it's not about you know tanking is not in a that effective of a strategy. Um, mm-hmm. just because you know it's a, it's a crapshoot at the end of the year, and and you know we took some uh of inspiration from how they do this in our you know dynasty league, and we have a, a draft lottery for our dynasty league. Uh, so you know it prevents tanking. So, um, yeah, super, uh, super excited, uh, to see what he can do on the Spurs for his career. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, we'll do more basketball stuff. I think we're trying to get a guest on next week and talk about um the NBA playoffs so far, up leading up to the uh championship and uh then the finals and then talk about uh who we predict is going to win it uh so stay tuned for that that'll probably be coming um maybe about a week after this a little after maybe we'll have to see how fast these conference championships go yeah now uh billy i know you kind of or we kind of mentioned golf but you're our resident golf expert here i would say out of the three of us uh so why don't you tell us about the uh the games that were the, or the tournament this weekend yeah the pga championship kicking off this weekend uh up at oak hill in new york uh big delay this morning actually uh due to frost it, which frost in may is pretty pretty funny but um they got off to an about an hour late start i think as we're recording this right now it's about what 8 30 8 45 eastern and they were still playing like 15 minutes ago uh as of now Bryson DeChambeau, clubhouse leader. He is uh, in a four-way tie, though, with uh, Adam Scott, Dustin Johnson, and Eric Cole, who has been playing good as of late. Kind of a no-name that's kind of come along recently. Um, He's uh, been playing pretty well. And then you got big name Scotty Scheffler there right behind them at three under. Uh, Hovland and Keegan Bradley also both played good today. Um, guy that did not play good today is world number one, John Rom. Let me scroll down to see where he is at. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was rough today. Let's see. 
Where is Johnny Rom? He is tied for 121st at plus six. Ooh. So uh tough day out there for John Rom. Another big name down there, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh let's see who else is. I mean, there, there were a lot of guys who had bad days. Jordan Spieth shot three over, Ricky Fowler shot yeah. two over. Um yeah. Ricky's been kind of washed for a while now. Yeah, but just a name that some people might know. One of my one of my personal favorites. I don't necessarily oh, have I a love Ricky. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. Um, and then a couple other guys who I always, uh, you know, like to watch Sam Burns has been one of my favorites recently. Yeah. He had a, he had a pretty rough day, went plus four as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, I, I guess in the, amongst the top guys, uh, Victor Hovland would be like the guy I root for. He's, I'm a big Victor Hovland fan as well. Victor. Yeah. He put, put together a good day. He always shows up in these big events too, yeah. which is, you know, there's always guys, him, uh, Morikawa is always up there. But an interesting storyline also, Rory McIlroy, plus one, another struggling day. This is a par 70 course playing today, and the scoring average uh, was around a 73. So really tough conditions out there today, and it was probably the best that it's going to be all weekend. You now it's going to be really windy, pretty cold. And uh, the rough and the fairways here, the fairways are pretty thin or pretty narrow, and then the rough is just so thick. Um, so guys are really having to adjust to that and you're seeing guys struggling and, uh, chunking the ball out of the, out of the rough. I saw, I believe it was Corey Connors. He was leading at the time, was playing out of the right rough and probably had 180 yards to the green and took a shot and ended up 15 yards short of the green, still in the rough on the right side. So, I mean, definitely tough conditions out there. It's going to be probably a low scoring weekend overall. I'd say the winner is probably going to end up probably around that 10, 12 under uh, range. And uh, it'll be a good, good tournament to watch. I'm not going to be able to watch a lot of it because I'm going to be traveling this weekend, but definitely got some bets in play on this one. Uh, I know my dad's in it as well. He had Dustin Johnson uh, finishing towards the top. So he's sitting good right now. He's four under, but he's only through 15. So he's got a chance to go pretty low today. And Eric Cole's only through 12. So I believe they're going to resume the first round tomorrow and have those guys finish up uh, early morning and then play the rest of the round later in the day. But PGA Championship second major of the year uh, officially underway. See, I always kind of prefer these ones where everyone struggles because it makes me feel less bad about my own shots. It makes me almost feel like the, you know, the people I play with. So, you know, it I do somewhat enjoy these tournaments a bit more than some of the ones where the conditions are perfect. Yeah. The PGA championship and the U S open are always tough courses. And of course the British open is always tough as well on those link style courses. But I feel like they're always played like on one of those Northern courses that are usually really thick roughs and uh, things like that, but definitely a, a good, good tournament to watch. And Connor, just to make you feel just maybe not as good. Plus six today is still 76. Oh, yeah. It's still like 40 <laughs> strokes better than anything I'd ever do. The worst score I saw, though, was plus 15. Oh, so, there plus 15, really? Yeah, Gabe Reynolds had a rough day. Is he an amateur? I, uh, I have no idea. I've never heard of him. Like, let me click never on his name. See, I bet that that, <laughs> on my best day, where every shot is perfect, would still be better than anything I'd do. Oh, that's that's double better than anything I've ever done. Uh, I don't know if I've ever... Especially on this course, dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, two days ago from the Golf Channel, Gabe Reynolds excited to play at first PGA Championship at Oak Hill. 
yeah. Sure it's a rough start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's let's see. So plus six is where a big group is, and there's a couple guys plus seven, three, four guy, five guys plus eight, two plus nine, two plus ten, two plus eleven, and then Gabe Reynolds shot an eighty-five today. Tough scenes for the boy. Yeah, I've never broke uh ninety, so you know, I can't say anything about an 85 on a, a difficult day on a difficult course. I'm about a 15 or 16 <laughs> handicap. So if I played like a much easier course than this, I could probably compete with that score. Yeah. But I've never broken game. triple digits. So. You know what would be fun is if every golfer, they had a tournament where every golfer got to pick just, they had, it had to be the same par. So like, you know, 72 standard. So, they could choose any par 72 course with that's met a certain like yardage distance total. And they can just find whatever course on the planet they want, as long as it meets the meets the par um regulation and the, the distance regulation. And then they just like let everybody go. Just weren't like I think that would be so sick. And just like a see everybody's playing different courses. I don't know. Sounds like I think they'd have to narrow it down to like 10 courses. So that yeah, way I mean, they realistically, they would, track of it. Yeah, they would have to have some sort of like, or you'd have to like get it approved beforehand and then like, you know, narrow it down to. Um, You're talking about like for a tournament, the guys can pick like what course they want to play and everybody can play an individual course. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I actually like that idea. Also, I think that'd be fun to watch. It'd be fun, it'd be funny to see what like, because. There's all different types of courses and certain people's games play better right, at certain yeah. courses. And imagine if you had to do it on the same day, but you had to like get it approved like the week before, so like seven days before it mm. played. So everybody would be looking at the weather and like seeing yeah. like what course they want to go to. I know like, the last course style of course I would play would be a links course. Yeah, no, absolutely. Something not. on the coast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I mean, I don't want to deal with twenty mile an hour winds. Trying to there's got to be certain guys who just like enjoy or like feed off that. I don't know. Probably um, all the British guys, dude. That's, that's all true. Yeah, that's their home turf. Yeah, yeah. God, I, I went by St Andrews briefly a few years back, and the wind off that I wasn't even playing because you know you've got to make reservations way in advance. But Jesus, the have wind to off. sacrifice a lamb like to them to play it too. It's probably my so. Dad's, my dad's played it. Yeah, you can sometimes you can get lucky and get a walk on spot there, but I mean, the wind coming off the the water at St Andrews when I was there was absurd. It was like fifteen miles an hour probably. I think they said that was a normal day over there. One of my dream courses to play is actually one of these kind of style courses. Uh, my parents played it. It's up in Canada. Uh, Carter, what's the furthest east province in Canada? Oh, the Newfies. Yeah. Yeah. In the New- Newfoundland, I think so. It's over there on the east. Newfoundland and Labrador, apparently, is what it's actually called. Yeah, it's in Newfoundland, Canada. It's called Cabot Cliffs, and it is right on the coast of the Atlantic, and just drops off. If y'all ever have a chance to look at it, it dude it is the most beautiful course you've ever seen, and I want to play it so bad. But it's like fifty foot cliffs just dropping into the water. That's mm. on the way. On my bucket list to play. You'd have You're to get one of those. I, I have to have one of those like extra long <laughs> extension poles for my balls to go in the water. <laughs> Just like tape seven of those together. <laughs> you probably need more than seven. 
I don't know. Those things, those telescopic ones, they extend pretty far. Yeah, but you got to get some all under the water as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> true. I'm sure. I'm sure it's uh, more than a couple feet deep there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, that's that's golf talk. You guys want to get into uh, a little more baseball? Go over some teams of the week. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Yeah. So not not team of the week, I guess, but that'll be one player. of them. Yeah, yeah, it'll be one of them. But yeah, we're gonna go over player of the week like we've done in the past. So go over uh, a position player of the week, a pitcher of the week, a rookie of the week, and then also team of the week. Uh, so we're looking between the fifth and the thirteenth of May is our time frame we're looking at. But uh, I picked Dominic Fletcher out of Arizona. He's the outfielder there. He's been playing a lot of center. Uh, over the seven games that he played, 23 plate appearances, two homers, and two runs scored. But he had 11 RBIs, only struck out 8.7% of the time, and they only walked 4.3% of the time. That's because he had a 500 batting average, and then his the rest of his slash line was 522 and his 955 slugging. I'm just an absolute tear of a weak stretch that he had there. And he had a 0.6 war over that. So, I mean, really doing a lot for that Arizona team where the uh, the expectations were real low. Uh, you can kind of see that by him not scoring a lot, even though he was getting on base a whole bunch. But uh, really driving in the runs and doing everything he can this, over the past week to, uh, you know, help his team succeed. So, you know, got to give the nod to him there. A few other guys that did well, I'm sure you all will probably take – some of the ones I'm thinking of, so I won't spoil it for the the listeners here. But uh, I had to give him the nod because he was one that I was not expecting to be doing uh, as well as he was. Yeah, uh, he played for Team Italy in the WBC, right? I think he did. Yes. Yeah. Um. So for for mine, I uh, I'm gonna go to the uh, the south side of Chicago. Um. There were a couple players for the White Sox who kind of got it going. Um, the team's still not doing great, but uh, a little bit better than they started the season. Uh, but I went with, uh, I mean, one of the two hottest players in baseball this entire month, and that's Luis Robert. Uh, just on an absolute tear this whole month, like I just said. But uh, in the week time frame that we put this through, uh, he had the most the most runs scored and tied for third, and uh, the most RBIs in the week. Uh, three bombs was also tied for the lead there. So just really crazy numbers. Uh, batted 375, 444 on base percentage, 833 slug. Um, like I said, just added up all those counting stats, like home runs, run scored, RBIs. Didn't swipe any bags. He's uh, not been running too much this year, which uh, is not what you expect from a, a guy who's got the speed like uh, Luis Robert does, but I guess he's sticking to uh, mashing the balls and playing a great center field. So uh, I'm super happy, you know, with it, with that. I don't think you necessarily have to add the stolen bases in there. Yeah. The White Sox needed it in the worst way. They were probably the second most disappointing team in baseball behind the St. Louis Cardinals up to this point. And uh, maybe they're keeping them off the bases. You're running the bases just because, of the injury history the Chicago White Sox have been plagued with and they don't want any chance of him, you know, breaking a hand or breaking a finger, sliding into a bag or something. But yeah, Lou Bob has definitely been tearing it up. I went to a different, I believe it's the South side, might be the North side. I'm not sure. Um, 
But I went with a player on the Yankees. Just recently returned to the lineup after uh, being out the first few months of the year due to an injury. Just came back in the beginning of May. That's Harrison Bader. Uh, he came back to the Yankees and desperately gave them a boost in offensive production as well as defensive production. Already has four defensive runs saved this year. He is a very plus-plus defender in center field and has a gold glove behind him uh, that he won in St. Louis. Uh, and during this stretch, the Yankees went 5-2. and two. Uh, Bader actually provided some pop as well. I believe he hit three bombs. Let me double-check that real quick. Two or three. Uh, two bombs during the stretch. Uh, six RBIs. Scored seven times. He's striking out the exact same percentage as he is walking at 7.1. And uh, getting on base at a 430 clip. And then also had a .6 war over this period. And uh, I just think he was a much-needed boost, especially defensively for this Yankees squad, because having Aaron Hicks in left field was a huge liability. So being able to bring back Bader and move him around the outfield, have him play some center and then some corner outfield as well, has definitely helped this team out. And like I said, he's given them, you know, a surprising amount of pop off the off the uh, with the bat as well. So I think Harrison Bader, you know, the impact that he had coming back this this month has really uh, been good for the Yankees, and they're on a bit, little bit of a roll right now. One thing I can't believe is that none of us picked Juan Soto. I figured yeah. one of us would. I also yeah, can't believe. No- I mean, Rizzo, I think also is deserving. Yeah, so I, I wanted to pick somebody a little bit off the you know kind of top four, three, four. Um, go with somebody there just because I didn't want us all to pick the same person. But yeah, I mean Juan Soto, what a, he's really turned it on recently. I mean, a 3.7% K rate yeah. for that period of time. And then also, you know, not driving in a ton of runs, but he's hitting the ball really hard. And uh almost a thousand slugging percentage, 957, and then getting on base at a 56 percent or five sixty-six clip is just super impressive, not to mention the three hundred WRC plus. Yeah, no, I, I like Austin said, I kind of thought one of y'all would have picked him. But the only person that's even remotely close to him in strikeout rate uh, over this time stretch was Will Smith at 4.3, which, I mean, again, is impressive. But Juan Soto has just seen the ball so well right now. I mean, you can see that in his numbers. I mean, 27 plate appearances and 478 average. I mean, just an absolute dominant little stretch. And, and he – the Padres need it if they're going to catch up. I mean, this is the year that all three of us picked them to do better than the Dodgers. So mm-hmm. he's going to keep this up. They're definitely going to need it. Yeah. Anybody else stand out to you guys uh, off this for the position player of the month that, or week that we didn't mention? I mean, when you're looking at such a short time frame of a week, there's always going to be just – you know, you're going to feel like there's yeah. plenty of names who need to be, you know, looked at. Goldschmidt, I think, is one. Um, Mookie Betts had a, a really nice, you know, stretch there. They both each, you know, hit uh, three round trippers, which is, you know, is the mm-hmm. most of anyone tied for the most of anyone in this this week's stretch. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there's plenty of guys, but I, I do think we highlighted um, three of the best and then, you know, Soto Kiermeyer, I like Kiermeyer. Uh, yeah, this was he uh tore up the Braves when they were playing the Braves. Did, yeah, <laughs> um, another guy that's kind of turned it on lately is Christian Yelich, which is really good to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big Christian Yelich fan, I just really like his game and his approach. And 
he's always doing like interviews and doing podcasts and things like that. So he's a cool guy to follow. And uh, I think seeing him kind of turn it around has been a really positive sight and the Brewers are playing good. It is good to see him come back. Uh, he had been struggling with injuries the last couple of years, hadn't he? Several years. Kind of, yeah, yeah, he's had some nagging injuries and things like that. So, um, But, yeah, moving on to our pitcher of the week, Connor. Go ahead and start us yes. off there. So I am going to go with another Arizona Diamondback player. And uh, I think we've kind of all brought him up at some point or another, but it's Zach Gallen. Uh, in the two games that he started over the stretch, he threw 14.2 innings. Both of them were wins. He only gave up 10 combined hits and three earned runs and struck out 13 and walked three, giving up another zero home runs. I think he's only got two on the year now. And uh, the 1.84 ERA and a 2.6 war, which uh, led the NBA or MLB in that time frame. Uh, now, granted, his starts were, and one of them was against San Francisco, who's been struggling a little bit, but the other was against Miami, who's had a, a real strong season so far. They're a second over there in the NL East. So, you know, it's it's good to see him doing well against, you know, quality teams as well as, you know, those kind of lower end guys that we see. But, uh, I mean, just a, a dominant little run. He's having a great start to the season so far. Uh, and actually, I, I looked it up because I saw that he faced a lot more batters than in his other games. And uh, his 56 batters faced over these two games were already a quarter of what he faced throughout the whole season. So, I mean, his nine starts, these two accounted for a, a lot of the total batters. So he was getting into some, you know, a little bit of trouble at times, it seemed like. But he he found a way to work out of it. And, you know, it's it's real impressive what he's been doing. Yeah, I mean, definitely one of the best pitchers in the National League. Just like straight up, straight up nasty. Um, and and he's going to be for years. Um, I went a slightly different direction, and uh, like I just mentioned with the batters, you know, it's tough with such a small sample size. It's even tougher in the pitchers because some guys are going to get two stars and some guys aren't, and um. This guy missed out, uh, you know, only got one start. But uh, in his start, he threw a complete game shutout. And so you're going to win my pitcher of the week if you throw a complete game shutout. Uh, it was Chris Bassett against my Atlanta Braves. Like I said, complete game, nine innings, no runs. Uh, only four batters reached base, uh, two on hits, two on walks, also eight strikeouts. So double the strikeouts than batters reached, uh, that batters that reached first base is – just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's really not much else to say. He threw a complete game, a complete game shutout against, I mean, a top two offense in all of baseball. So yeah. All right, glad nobody took my guy. I'm going with a uh, former Red Sox Nathan Eovaldi of the Texas Rangers, who is stepping up big time with Jacob Degrom still on the IL. Um. He had two starts over this period, went 2-0, uh, was able to drop his ERA at the end of April from a 3.93 to a 2.70 at the end of his second start of the week. He uh, threw a combined 16.2 innings pitched, struck out 17, only gave up eight hits, and uh, no runs, no earned runs over that time period. And that 
those two starts actually capped a, I believe it was a 20, 28.2 inning scoreless streak uh, for him. So he's just been absolutely dominating. And uh, yeah, the start before, so he faced the Angels on the 6th and the Oakland A's on the 11th. Um, went 8 against the A's, went 8.2 against the or went eight against the Angels, went 8.2 against the A's, struck out 12 Oakland Athletics. And then the start he had before that was April 29th against the Yankees, and he went nine shutout with three hits. So, I mean, the dude has absolutely been balling, and uh, he gets my pitcher of the week. Yeah, I, I like all three of those. Uh, just some great outings, which you really love to see. Now, uh, Billy, to jump right back over to you, who is your uh, your rookie of the week? It was actually your position player of the week, and that would be Dominic <laughs> Fletcher. Uh, just got called up at the end of April. Uh, I believe it was the 30th. So, I mean, you've already gone over all his stats, but he was just mashing the ball this week. Uh, sub, 10, sub 10 K rate. Um, likely helped out by his five foot six frame. Uh, he's the new Altuve. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, for my rookie, I went with another pitcher, and this guy, I think, was kind of an equal. Uh, like if I didn't, if Chris Bassett didn't throw that, uh, you know, complete game uh, shutout, I, I would have gone with this guy for pitcher of the week. He was that good, and it's the uh, the rookie in uh, Seattle, Bryce Miller, who is just disgusting. Like what? I don't know where this guy came from, but uh, he's absurd. Uh, he threw two games in this time period, uh, six innings in one of them, seven in the next, uh, combined for eight strikeouts between the two of them and only one walk in those two games. Uh, didn't give up a single run, only five total hits. Uh, I mean, just throws super hard. Um, yeah, I mean, just abs- an absolute another uh, machine coming through this uh the Seattle uh factory. They're they're just pumping out really good young players now. And uh, I love yeah, to see it. I love dudes yeah. that throw hard and can control it. Yeah. Yes. There's nothing scarier than a dude that throws absolute cheddar and doesn't know where it's going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is terrifying for sure. Uh like Billy mentioned, you know, I did already pick Dominic Fletcher for my overall player of the week. So I did want to highlight another, you know, rookie that I thought had a, a really outstanding week. That is Francisco Alvarez of the New York Mets. Uh, he's been working in their catcher rotation a lot. He played in five games over the stretch and, uh, you know, had two home runs, three runs scored, only two RBIs, and his K rate was uh, a bit high at 25%. But, again, you know, he's just getting called up. I think he's got 90 total MLB plate appearances. So, you know, this is you know something to kind of keep an eye on. But small sample size, so the 25% K rate can kind of go away a little bit with me. I, I'm kind of okay with that to start out with. I mean, his slash line was 278, 350, and a 722 slugging with a 187 WRC+. plus. So I mean, just a, a really outstanding week for the, the young guy. I think he's only 21. Uh, and to come up and be potentially a key figure in that, you know, catching rotation that they have up there, uh, he looks like if he can kind of keep on a, a similar pace, he could be a huge addition for this team. Yeah, Alvarez, I feel like his key to success in the MLB 
will be to keep that K rate under like a 22, 20% uh, rate, because that, that has been his kryptonite um, in his young career so far as just, he's striking out way too much. He has a ton of power. You know, if he can hit for, you know, 25, 30 home runs a year and, you know, even if you put him at DH, even if he's not the best defensive guy that you got out there, um, you know, you put him at DH or you just get him in the lineup and he's hitting for power and then keeping that K rate more manageable, you know, preferably, you know, below that 22 or 25% K rate. Um, I think he could have a really, really good career. Absolutely. I think it's funny. The Mets just called up Gary Sanchez today uh i saw that and i mean francisco alvarez is literally just like gary sanchez but like extreme like just shorter (laughs) yeah uh so i think that's really funny (laughs) um i wanted to go and touch back a little bit back on bryce miller just for uh the people who don't know anything about him i went to his baseball savant page which uh Great website. If you want to just go see a whole lot of red, go find Ronald Acuna's right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Bryce Miller, uh, two of my favorite or my three favorite um, sliders there. So in baseball savant, you know, everything's on like a little slider. If it's all the way to the right, it'll say, you know, 100, that's a hundredth percentile all the way to left zero and the, you know, blues left bad, right. Red is right. Good. Fastball, fastball spin actually coincides more with like success, pitcher success on fastballs than than velocity does. Correlates, and, uh, correlates, correlates. Yeah, that, that's the go. word. Um, and so yeah, fastball spin is 99th percentile for this guy. His walk rate is 99th percentile, and uh, those are two things I love. The one where he's missing a little bit, or the other one I love is a chase rate where he's 86th percentile. And the one thing I'm not loving is his extension. Um, I mean, that's just how close to home plate you release the ball. The more extension, I mean, that's like just basically throwing the ball from closer to home. Um, Certain guys got it. Certain guys don't. Um, It's not really, I mean, you can make like little incremental kind of improvements to that, but it's not something that's just going to like instantly jump up in your career. Um, And so, I, I mean, unfortunately, he's just not a guy who, who gets, too much extension but uh the fastball spin rate i absolutely love he clearly has really good command i mean the velocity's there too it's 80th percentile like the dude throws hard as well uh so yeah i think i think this guy's are, are, are a real stud that that's gonna develop really well yeah i can't believe we didn't mention casey schmidt also um yeah <laughs> the guy from the giants who has been absolutely pounding the baseball so he does strike out a ton uh, well, not a ton, but he doesn't walk at all. Is this <laughs> he's literally has a zero percent walk rate? He's only striking out five percent of the time. Um, but he hit five fifty, uh, with two bombs and five rubies. So I mean, really good week for him and debut for him. If you listen to what I said uh, in, in our NLS preview, I told you, like, dude's good, but you know, don't expect a whole lot offensively. Defense is where it's at for him, and you know, this batting, you know, stuff he's putting together is. It's just a pleasant surprise. Dude's an absolute beast over there on the left side of the infield. I don't care if you play him at short or third. He had the hardest throw, actually, across the diamond this year. It's like 94 across the diamond. Just absurd. Yeah, that's cheese. Yeah. All right. Let's move in. 
So wrapping this up with our team of the week, looking over this week, everybody was kind of, you know, nobody dominated the week really. Um, nobody went, you know, six and zero or whatever. Um, but there were a couple teams that stood out to me. I want to hear you guys first though. Um, Connor, who is your team of the week? I hated doing it, but I picked the New York Yankees. And it was because in spite of their horrible pitching over the stretch, they still went, I think it was five and one, five and two. Uh, They played seven games. The only two games that they lost were against the Rays, who have been one of the, you know, best teams in baseball so far this year. And it was really because their pitching had a 5.12 ERA. Uh, Granted, they do have nine pitchers that are on the IL, and that includes Carlos Rodon and Jonathan Lasaga, who are, you know, John, Carlos Rodon is one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. And Jonathan Lasaga had a really good showing in the World Baseball Classic, uh, pitched real well over there. But uh, their batters were just absolutely insane. As a team, they hit 17 home runs, scored 52 runs, which was uh, the most in baseball, had 51 RBIs. They walked 11% of the time. And they struck out at the lowest rate, uh, which was only 16.7%. So no other team was uh, better than them. And only three teams had a higher batting average over the stretch. And that was Arizona, the Angels, and the Washington Nationals, surprisingly, who had the best average over the stretch. So it was just a real, real dominant run offensively for the team. And like I say, you know, they only lost two games. And both those were to the Rays in separate series but they did end up actually winning both of those series. So, you know, just a real impressive stretch from them. And I got to give them the nod because their offense came out and balled out uh, even without their pitchers really being there to help them very much. Um, so like Billy said, I don't think no one went six and zero or seven or oh, but uh, the Phillies did go five and zero in this week. So they're going to be my team of the week. Um, it sucks. They didn't get to play, you know, the six games, but or seven like the Yankees did, but you know, five and zero is five and zero. They did it mostly on the back of their pitching, I would say. Even though you know they did hit pretty well, but to uh, to hold the Red Sox to one, the Jays to four and then one, and then the Rockies in cores to three and then four, that's pretty darn good if you ask me. Uh, so they did it mostly on the back of their pitching. Their ERA as a team was sub two in that you know five game stretch. So uh yeah, just just really really good stuff. They hit pretty well as uh as well, but not uh, you know, not up to the level of what you just heard. So uh, you know, the Yankees outmashed the Phillies, but the Phillies just kind of did really well uh, you know, on the bump and then just did good enough at the plate to to get the wins. And the Rockies are, you know, aren't you're not someone banging on the drum saying, Oh, hey, look, we beat the Rockies, but the Jays are a really good team and the Red Sox are playing really well. So um, yeah, I think those, you know, three wins are something to to definitely uh, kind of boast about. And uh, that's coming off of at least five straight losses. It might've been even more than that. They lost in a row. So uh, they definitely made, made a quick turnaround and then went and have lost the next four. So super streaky team there in Philly, uh, which I'm all for as a Braves fan, you know, we're, we're catching them um and about a week from now so i'm hoping you know they win a few games in that stretch and then get back on a losing streak right before they come and uh 
uh, come to Atlanta. I will be at that game uh, or the Saturday game. Um, I'm actually going to two Braves games next week, so I'm pretty pumped about that, seeing the Dodgers and Phillies. So that's going to be uh, pretty exciting baseball. But speaking of the Dodgers, they are my team of the week. Uh, so as we mentioned, you know, we're looking at the sixth, right? Or the seventh through thirteenth. Yeah. 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 So over this stretch, they went five and one. And the teams they did it against were impressive as well. So starting off that weekend series, um, finishing it up on Sunday, they took the series from the Padres, uh, two games to one. And then they lost the opener to the Brewers, who are leading Nano Central right now, and then took the next two. And uh, then they came back against the Padres again uh, and swept them the 12th through the 14th. So a huge series for them, uh, both to start the week, middle of the week, and end the week. Um, really good baseball from them. Their pitching was really good. They didn't give up more than three runs in a single game, except for one game against the Brewers that they lost on Monday. Um, and the starter there, Tony Gonsolin, went six scoreless with only three hits, and then the bullpen kind of got blown up, um, and they lost nine to three. But other than that, I mean, some really big wins they pulled out beating the Brewers 6-2, 8-1 the following nights, and then beating a couple – winning a couple close games against the Padres, 4-2, 4-2, and then 4-0. Uh, and then, you know, last week 5-2 also against the Padres. So, like we said earlier, this is the year that all of us – or many people, including all of us, thought that the Padres were finally going to summon the Dodgers this year. And so far it hasn't happened. The Dodgers are hot. They are, you know – their rookies are stepping up. James Altman's been incredible. Max Muncy's been fantastic. And then Mookie and Freddie are still doing their things. Plus, Clayton Kershaw has been putting out good outings as well. So, if they can continue this and, you know, continue their starting pitching dominance that they've shown so far this year, and then also driving runs on offense, they're going to be, you know, a team we're talking about in October again. Yeah, Billy, I'm really glad that you touched on the fact that their, their starting pitcher in that blowout didn't give up a, a single run. Because, I mean, like you said, their starting pitching has been absolutely dominant so far this year. Kershaw has been giving out a lot of amazing performances. So, uh, you know, if the bullpen can, you know, keep those kind of late game giveaways to a minimum, I think that this team will absolutely be in the conversation in October. I mean, there's really no doubt about it. They're the Dodgers. They're probably always going to be relevant in October for the next couple of years Mm -hmm. at least. So I, I would expect that to continue. But the starting pitching, I, I was expecting it to take a little bit of a backslide from what they'd had in the past, but it's just rocking and rolling like nothing's changed at all. Yeah, I mean they've been they've been really good and uh, currently leading the NL West. Um, let's see, they are at twenty eight sixteen. Yeah, eight and ten, eight and two in their last ten, so they're pretty hot. Um, Padres, meanwhile, two and eight in their last ten, so. Not what you're really looking to see if you're a Padres fan. This is a big year for them. Uh, they're eight games back right now, but still a lot of baseball to play. We got all summer to talk about uh, baseball. So anything else you guys want to touch on regarding the baseball week we had? Uh, it didn't come out of the MLB, but it actually came out of the New Jersey Community College League. And uh, also, I know you follow a lot of John Boy stuff. That he did a breakdown that released today. The uh, the earpieces and the helmets. Did you see that one? Yet? I did. That was yeah. wild. 
I know. Uh, the first, the way that they got caught was, uh, you know, they they thought one of the pitchers thought he was tipping his pitches in game one of the three game series. And then in the next game, went to the coaches after the game and was like, hey, was I doing anything wrong? And the next game, the first baseman goes to the coach and says, hey, when these two guys are on base, I, I hear some voices coming out of their helmets. I hear some noise coming from it. And then game three, the the first guy, you know, they hit back to back. The first guy comes up, gets on on a single. Second guy comes up, gets another base hit. And the coach comes out, calls him out. The coach for the team that had the earpieces was in the dugout on an iPad, uh, potentially watching the stream of the game that had a, a view straight to the catcher given signs. And uh, somehow everybody got out of there without any ejections or suspensions or anything. So kind of a, a shocking twist there. The coach did end up having to resign, but in the game, the umpires didn't do anything. They just let it kind of go on. But back to baseball, I did see one of the more electrifying highlights of the year. I believe it was yesterday. And it was a, a Rich Hill and Miguel Cabrera race. Yes. <laughs> I did um, see that. That was one of the more electrifying highlights. I got a good laugh out of that. Um, Dick Mountain did end up winning the race, but uh, yeah, that was that was a pretty fun one. To I watch. need to see those two like go off in a in a sixty. <laughs> like, see who's got the. I mean, those Mickey are both. Looked, kinda... Mickey did look yeah. like he was moving down the line a little bit. Mickey was hauling. He was hauling. Yeah. God, speaking of Mickey, he might not play anymore. Like starting tomorrow, like he's he's yeah. the worst player in baseball right now. Yeah, it's been rough. He's batting like a buck eighty. Yeah, which you know, I, I was really hoping he'd have like a pool holes like resurgent last year, where like it looks like he visited the fountain of youth in the off season, yeah. but but no. Dude, Miggy hasn't yeah. really been effective since like 2015, maybe. I don't know. I think I don't like know. twenty. Go what was it? Twenty nineteen, where he hit yeah. the first home run of the season. He had a yeah, he had yeah, a pretty yeah, good was, season then. I was, Nineteen was the year I was thinking too, but I didn't want to say that and not like look at the stats and actually know if he was. He's maybe it's he, just because he's on the Tigers. That's yeah, that's yeah. part of it for sure. Uh, okay, let's see. His last All Star appearance was twenty sixteen. Oh wait, no, technically he was an All Star last year with the they had the veteran oh, yeah. All Star thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. He, um, yeah, he hit two eighty two and. In nineteen, yeah, yeah. So nineteen, that was that was a, a decent year. Two eighty two, three forty six, three eighty nine. Slash line is uh, you know ninety seven OPS uh, plus. So just a well, really twenty one ninety five OPS plus. You can't complain about that from a dude's thirty eight yeah. years old. But like, look at his stretch from it's two thousand nine to two thousand sixteen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely stupid. Just he didn't even come close to like hitting below three hundred. Yeah, no, it, he was. I mean, he was just absolutely the best hitter in baseball for a five-year stretch. Like between, yeah, like the oh nine, oh ten, through like fourteen or fifteen through fifteen, really. He led. He led the league in batting in eleven, twelve, thirteen, and fifteen. Yeah, led the league in on base percentage in ten, eleven, thirteen, fifteen. I mean, he's still a career three oh seven hitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but to the point, though, I mean, 2016, you hit 316, and then the next year, granted, you missed 30 games, but you hit 
sub two fifty. Well, back to two two ninety nine in twenty seventeen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he only played thirty. Or twenty eighteen. He only played. Oh, 30 twenty eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. And eighteen. <laughs> he only played. Yeah. Never mind then. Yeah. So really, I mean, sixteen was the last time we saw like a fully like prime. Yeah. 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 Ever since then, it's been kind of injuries and. I, was, I mean, man. Yeah. He was thirty three at that point. So I mean. I was saying, I mean, he's 40 now, so. Yeah. You know what's crazy is, like, how much younger he is than Pujols. I always thought they were, like, the same age, but our Pujols is a good three years older, and that's yeah. just what's on record. There's a chance our Pujols is closer to 50, and we just don't know it. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's there's a theory out there that our Pujols is, like, actually 60 years old. <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> it's not true, but... A lot. See, the thing is, I don't know if I've t- I've talked about it before to you guys. I know I don't know if I've ever mentioned on the podcast, but those players from these other countries, it's it's better to be younger because like they're like, oh, well, this fourteen yeah. year old looks like he's seventeen. He grew up in the U.S. though. He played he? high school baseball. Oh, okay. Can uh, this is a cool stat though. Mm-hmm. He played in I think Kansas is ended up or Missouri, Missouri. Mm. Is uh, where he ended up. Let's see. Hold on. So I'm reading some. Okay. So originally moved to New York. Um, then he witnessed a shooting at a bodega, which is just <laughs> like a shop. And so uh, his family moved to Independence, Missouri to join some relatives. He went to Fort Osage High School. And as a senior, he was intentionally walked 55 times. God. He only had 33 official at bats and hit eight homers in that time span. Uh, I will give anybody who's not looking at his Wikipedia page right now 100 bucks if they can guess what college he went to. No shot. Uh, was it a Division One? No, it's a Juco. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I don't have a chance. It's called uh, Maple Woods Community College. Uh, he hit a grand slam and turned an unassisted triple play in the first game of his only college season. What? <laughs> people, okay, people forget how good Albert Pujols was defensively when he first came up. I mean, he, no, was, he was a machine. Stop in college, the yeah. Machine, yeah. Have you heard his story though about the scout with the Rays? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. So I'm just gonna read this straight off Wikipedia. Few teams were interested in Pujols because of uncertainty about his age, and positional versatility in his build. There was a Rays scout who recommended that his team sign Pujols and he quit his job when Tampa Bay didn't do it. And he was drafted 13th round with the 402nd overall pick. Jeez. Wow. The Rays owe that guy a statue. Yeah, they do. There's the Cardinals, dude. The Cardinals, yeah. I I wonder if he got uh, signed back. Like, I wonder if he got hired by a different team. I'm sure. I mean, if you find a talent like that and you're that gung-ho about him, I would imagine some team is going to want you. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's funny that they mentioned the uncertainty about his age. I didn't it's, know he came over during high school, but I did know that there was uncertainty about his age. Yeah, and there still is. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if he's closer to 50 than we all think because he's, what, 44, 45? I think, 40, I think he's listed at 43. Yeah, like, like like height. He's listed at six one, but like, was he really? 
That's like I feel like LeBron's height varied every year when he was like with the Heat. Yeah. I think that's gonna about do it for us this week. Uh as always, guys, please, you know, rate us on iTunes, Spotify, all the platforms you listen to us on. Uh, check out Phantom Sports, you know, great articles coming out all the time. Uh, you know, just share the podcast, follow us on Twitter at Tricky Takes. You know, we're, we're posting stuff on there, uh, doing a little better about it these days than we had been for a while. But you know, I just want to get us out there. And, you know, if you like it, let us know. Let us know what you want to hear about. Let us know, you know, shoot in listener questions. We'll talk about it. So, you know, we, we'd really like to get some interaction with you guys that listen to us. But uh, other than that, everybody have a great week. Keep enjoying, you know, all the sports, a great baseball season. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep talking about that. Like Austin mentioned, we're going to get to the NBA playoffs. And uh, other than that, like I said, just enjoy your week. Oh, go Canes. Go Canes. Peace. <laughs> Bye.